It's so good to be with you in worship here at Providence Church. Thank you for joining us. My name is Jacob Armstrong. I'm one of the pastors here, and we continue today talking about a series where we learn that nothing is wasted, that actually nothing that you're going through, nothing that you've been through or will go through is wasted with God. And today, I want to talk to you about Daniel and the lion's den, Jesus and his tomb, and you and your 2020 this year. Daniel in the lion's den is one of those great Bible stories where a man has fed the lions, and I want to tell you about it today. Daniel chapter 6, it says this, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before, before the decree was published. So what was this decree? It was a decree that within a 30-day period, no person could bow down and pray to any god or any human other than the king, other than the king. And what you need to know is that this decree was made specifically for Daniel. Daniel had risen to a high-ranking position in the kingdom, almost like second in command, and he had all these people that worked for him, other people who were high-ranking officials, and they were sick of Daniel. They were jealous of Daniel, and they had tried to find Daniel doing something wrong, but they couldn't find anything. There was no corruption in Daniel. There was only one thing that set Daniel apart, and that was his devotion and his obedience to God. So these people went to the king. It was a setup. And they said, hey, king, what if we issue a decree that any person that doesn't bow down and worship you should be thrown into the lion's den? The king's like eating a sandwich. He says, yeah, sure, fine, whatever. And so it's those men in verse 11 and 12 who went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. They went and sought him out, and there he was praying, just like he always did. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. And they asked him this question, did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or human being except you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king's you know, finishing up his sandwich or whatever, and he says, yeah, the decree stands. It, it will never be repealed. So this is going exactly as they planned. So they say to the king, well, Daniel, who's one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you your majesty, or to the decree you put into writing, he still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed, not because Daniel was praying, because he loved Daniel. He thought Daniel was great, and he was determined to try to rescue Daniel. And it says, as you can read there, that he made every effort until sundown to save him, but the king was stuck. There was nothing that he could do. His hand had been forced. He had been totally set up. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel, threw him into the lion's den. And the king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. The king didn't want Daniel to die, but he was bound by all these rules and customs of a culture that he had helped to create and put into place. His hand was forced. The only way that he could free Daniel was for him to not just speak up for Daniel, but to speak up for the God whom Daniel worshipped. And so, 
a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the lion's den. The king in the scriptures, uh, it says he returns to his palace. He doesn't eat or sleep that night. And at the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. The king is running (laughs) to the lion's den. And when he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? There's a long pause. And Daniel answers (laughs) behind the stone. May the king live forever. My God sent his angel. He shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. You can sort of see why this is one of the most retold Bible stories. But what I hope we can do in these next few moments is understand what was really going on to get us to the lion's den. And this might become more than just a Bible story that kids like to hear because it talks about lions and a man being fed to them and become a story that impacts how we see how we are living our lives right now. The story of Daniel, you see, is the story of someone born with a promise and a purpose. Daniel was born with great promise and great purpose. So what was happening in this time is that the Israelites had been taken over by a different kingdom, the Babylonians. It's called the Babylonian captivity because the Israelites uh, were taken over. This was their land, but now there was a new king. And so they had different jobs and were forced to, to, to worship in different ways. But Daniel was picked out of an Israelite family with some other Israelites who were smart and good looking and all these kind of things they looked for. And then Daniel was picked out of the ones that were picked out as this great one who would help lead. Daniel was born with promise and purpose. He was special. But one thing that set Daniel apart is that he had a great devotion to God and a great obedience to God no matter what happened. This story is like the third king Daniel has served under, but he continues to worship his God. It was in a time when the culture had turned its full attention away from God. So if you find yourself in a situation where people who worship God are being fed to lions, this is not a time when a few people are distracted or a few people have forgotten about, a God, about God. The whole culture had turned its full attention away from God. There was lots of religion, but very little devotion. So make no mistake, there were all kinds of, of people who worshiped all kinds of things and all kinds of things you could give your attention to, but very few who were actually giving their devoted hearts to the living God. There were lots of adherents but not many adhering. Still today, we call people who are connected to a particular religion adherents. There are two billion adherents to Christianity. But in this time, there were tons of adherents, but not many actually doing it, adhering to the religion. It was a time of great sin and brokenness. It was a mess, if you read the book of Daniel. It was just a mess. And it's what they called exile. Now, we've talked a lot about wilderness over the last couple of months, this season we've been in. Exile's a lot like wilderness, but one difference for this exile, for the Israelites, is they were not out far in the desert. They were actually still living on the same streets. Things kind of looked the same, and yet everything was different. Maybe, maybe they would have called it, uh, I don't know, maybe they would have called it a new normal that they were living in. That's what set up the lion's den. 
That's what set up a guy who was just simply praying in his house, being thrown to the lions. There comes a time sometimes when devotion and obedience to God becomes offensive, and Daniel was devoted and obedient to God above the king, above the culture, above the idols. And true religion, Daniel's heart, true religion was mistaken as something so offensive it was punishable by death. That's why Daniel went to the lion's den, because he kept praying like he always prayed, because he stayed devoted the way he'd always been devoted. He just kept doing what he did. Remember my long title, Daniel and the lion's den, Jesus and the tomb. Check this out. Jesus was born with a promise and a purpose, probably the biggest understatement of the last 2,000 years. But Jesus was actually set apart before he was born. We're told in his mother's womb, he had this promise. He was going to save the world. And he had purpose given to him before he was even born. And Jesus, like Daniel, was born in a time when the culture had turned its full attention away from God. Jesus came at a very specific time for a very specific reason. There was all kinds of religion, but very little devotion. Jesus is running into all these different kinds of people and all these different kinds of of religion where they're splitting hairs in religion, but there was very little actual devotion to God. There were lots of adherents, lots of people that would call themselves uh, uh, worshipers of God, but not many adhering. It was a time of great sin and brokenness when the baby Jesus came. It was exile. The Israelite people were living in their land, what they knew as the holy land, But the ruler was a king who had no idea what God wanted. And so, because devotion and obedience to the one true God was offensive to the culture, it was punishable by death when it was seen in Jesus. That's what set up the cross. In both Daniel's case and Jesus' case, it wasn't actually the high king's execution order that led to death. It was really the people in power who were threatened by the devotion and obedience of a man whose whose love for God was so real, it pushed against all the power structures of that day. Just a man with devotion and obedience. A singular devotion to God was subversive to the religious and political climate so much that the religious and political leaders had no choice but to find a way to get rid of them. Jesus and Daniel weren't trying to be rabble-rousers. They were just being faithful in the way that they were devoted to God. They weren't making political statements. They were worshiping God, which was a political statement because politics was so messed up. It's astonishing, really. I've marveled over it this week, how many parallels there are between the execution order of Daniel and the execution order of Jesus. Uh, I already shared it with you that Daniel's last night before walking towards death, was spent in an upper room carrying out the ritual of devotion that he carried out for years. It's in verse 10. When Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room, and he prayed there. Some of you may know that Jesus last night, when he celebrated the Passover, which was simply a a ritual of devotion and obedience that he had practiced for years, he did it in an upper room. Daniel leaves the upstairs room and is turned over to the king. Jesus leaves his upstairs room and is turned over to authorities. 
The king in Daniel's case and Pontius Pilate in Jesus' case were trying to figure out a way to let them go free. The king didn't want to kill Daniel. Pilate didn't want to kill Jesus. Pilate begged the crowd to take Jesus back. He said, I find no basis for a charge against them. He said, I wash my hands of this. King Darius with Daniel, the same thing. He tried every effort to save Daniel before sundown. Why couldn't they let him go? Why couldn't the king, why couldn't the ruler let them go? They were trying every way to not execute the execution order, but they couldn't because the influence of the crowds overpowered their power because they had given themselves over time to culture, not to God. And so both Pilate and King Darius were bound to bind the one who was clearly not guilty because over the years, they had given themselves to political pressures instead of moral standards. The king with Daniel was greatly distressed. But unlike Daniel, he had not given his life to training himself to be strong in the face of pressure. Instead, he had lived a life succumbing to that which kept him in power. Same with Pilate. In the end, Pilate just let the voice of the crowd impact his decision. And so Daniel went to the lion's den, I don't know if you noticed it, and a stone was placed in front of the den. Jesus went to the cross and to the grave, and a great stone was placed on the entrance. And then at first light, the king comes running to the stone. In Jesus' story, at first light, his friends come running to check on Jesus. In both stories, they find that an angel of God has come in the night. They both find that the innocent one is alive. They both find that the laws of the land have no power over the will of a holy God. God shut the mouth of the lions. God conquered sin and death. Nothing in Daniel's story was wasted. Nothing in Jesus' story was wasted. Not one prayer that they prayed, not one act of devotion, not one moment of faithfulness, none of it was wasted. Daniel in the lion's den, Jesus in the tomb, and now us in 2020. Daniel is not just a cool story that foreshadows the coolest story of Jesus. It actually holds the keys to our own life in this time. I'll show you what I mean. You were born with a promise and a purpose. In Jeremiah chapter one, God says, before I formed you, I knew you. What a promise. Before you were born, I set you apart. That's purpose. This was written to Jeremiah, but I believe it's true for every baby in every womb, that before you were born, God knew you. Before you were born, God set you apart for a purpose. There's another really cool, often quoted verse in Jeremiah that says this, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. You were born with a promise and a purpose. I was born with a promise and a purpose. But we're thinking, I'm not like Daniel. And I would just ask us now, why not? Why not? We'll think, 
I'm not like Jesus, and I get that. But the whole purpose of Jesus coming as a baby was not so that we would think God has no understanding of our life, but that we would see God was willing to experience every part of our life, that God came as a baby like we came as a baby so he could save us in every way that we needed to be saved. We are living now in a time where the culture has turned its full attention away from God. In my estimation, we are not currently living in a time where a few people are distracted or a handful of people are off a little bit, but instead, we're living in a time, if we stand for what God stands for, we'll look crazy and it, it may even offend people. There's lots of religion right now, but little devotion. There are actually lots of adherents, but not many adhering. We live in a time of great sin and brokenness, just like every generation before us. Don't you see? This story of Daniel is not just an isolated story. It's the story like Moses, who had to go and stand up to a king. It's the story of Joseph, who found himself in a place of power where he had to speak to power. It's the story of Esther, who found herself in a place where she had influence with the king, and she had the choice to either speak up or not speak up. It's the story of the early Christians who found themselves being fed to lions. And the story goes on. It's the story of, of William Wilberforce who stood up to the par parliament in England to abolish slavery. It's the same story as Harriet Tubman, who was called Moses, who led her people to freedom. It's just like Dietrich Bonhoeffer in Hitler's Germany, where he had the choice to stand up, to live, or to die. It's the same story of Dr. King, who spoke to power and had a dream for something different. Our time is like other times that have come before. And if this time doesn't feel like exile, I don't know what will. And so we have to know that we were born with a promise and a purpose. Every human will face wilderness, exile, but we remember that nothing is wasted with God. Our God shut the mouth of the lions, tell your children. Our God raised his son to life. No stone covering is too weighty for our God. And so with that belief, it makes me want to ask, what do we do these Jeremiah scriptures I brought up may seem out of place, like how many scriptures are we going to bring? But the Jeremiah words were actually spoken to the same people that were in exile, a little bit earlier than Daniel, but it covered some parts of his life. So Jeremiah is actually not just written to high school graduates, I have a plan for you, but it's written to us, those who feel like we're in a new normal, we're trying to find our way. Listen to it again. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Let me say that again. God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And then we read on. It says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. What do we do? We do what Daniel did. We do what Jeremiah is, is saying uh, we need to do. We call on God. That's what we're supposed to do. See what got Daniel in all that mess? He called on God. 
He prayed to God. He sought God with all his heart. If we're asking right now, what are we supposed to do in this time? Call on God. Pray to God. Seek God with all your heart. That's what Daniel kept doing. It's actually what Jesus did when he left that upper room. He fell on his face. He called to God. He prayed to God. He said, if there's another way, God, I'll take it. But he sought God's will with all of his heart. And Our influence in these moments will come first simply by falling before God as simple people who will hold on to our devotion and remain obedient. That's what led the king to call out to God in this story, that Daniel stayed faithful, stayed obedient, was not deterred, did not take his eyes off of his God. In that Jeremiah scripture, God says, I will be found by you. I will bring you out of captivity. I will gather you up from all the places where you've been banished because nothing is wasted. The scripture doesn't say that. I added it. But it's because nothing is wasted. God says, I will gather you up and I will bring you back to the place. Daniel in the lion's den, Jesus in the tomb, and you and your 2020, your devotion and obedience should probably be offensive to someone. It should probably get someone's attention in this time. What you are just doing regularly and faithfully should probably grab the attention of someone around you because the times of deepest darkness in your life hold the potential for God's greatest triumph. So we don't give up. We keep our heads up. We focus on God. We call upon him. We pray to him and we seek him with all of our heart. Be assured, nothing is wasted with God. Amen.